This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a bonus show. How about this? It's Friday afternoon, Kaplan. We're coming in with a new, I don't even know if we call this Lost in America. What do you think? Uh, what should, this, is, this is the, well, I'll let you, you do the honors of making the big announcement. We have decided that we are very smart. We've always been a very smart podcast, correct? Of course. You've, of course, you've always of course. considered us geniuses, some say. Uh, not you, uh, you the audience, I mean. You, you come to us for, we bring you smart guests. And we have, uh, we have, we've decided to join after a lot of negotiations with create, our- Create, create. We have decided to create. That's the word. You're right. You know, we, had, we, we ran this by Blue Shirt. He, he looked over the contract. Everything looks good. So we have created a network of fellow geniuses. Yes. Podcasters ca- d- called, the drum roll is World's Smartest Podcast Network. World's Smartest Podcast Network, everybody. Very excited to be here. It is- Kaplan and I, it is the Lost in America podcast. It is Andrew Heaton's, and you you love him, the mighty Heaton, right? One of our favorite regular guests here. Regulars, his podcast, The Political Orphanage. And it is Andrea Jones-Royce. We know her from this show. She's been on this show multiple times. Andrea Jones-Royce show, Ask a Political Scientist, which is currently a YouTube show on Thursday nights live, will be a podcast very soon. So the three of our podcasts have come together to form a network idea being we share our audience with them. Hopefully you guys give them a listen and their audience gives us a listen because we're all doing something similar, but none of us are doing the same thing. And I don't want to repeat what we're going to say later on in the episode, but let's just say that we are comedy based shows. I would say you and I are the most comedic, but everyone's a comedy-based show, right? These yep. are all, they're also comedians. Heaton's a stand-up comedian. Andrea Jones is a stand-up comedian. But we're approaching smart topics. Exactly, smart topics. We have shows with a very similar audience, uh, size-wise and intelligence-wise, I'm sure. And, and maybe even most importantly, in a non-partisan way is yes, how we're doing it. Yeah, so we're not, yeah. This isn't going to be something you can hear on CNN, something you can hear on Fox News. It's NPR, none of that. MSNBC, da- none of that. Daily, any of that stuff, No. We're, Andrew Heaton's you know, great show, The Political Orphanage. He goes straight down the middle talking American politics to 
high-end thinkers who are nonpartisan. He, he goes to, the, the, the name says it all, political orphanage. He goes to great lengths to be nonpartisan. Adrian's show, the uh, Ask a Political Scientist. She's, she is a data scientist. She gets on another data scientist or political scientist, brings on a comedian, and they go deep into the data of how politics is, not politics, how elections are playing out and why they're playing out how they're playing out. Exactly. So you're going to learn something and not be preached to and by then, all three of us. Right. And us, of course, we're going to give you a lot more international. You're going to learn a lot more about the international world. Exactly. Uh, we're hitting the rest so of the world. We're, as we're not, you guys we're not diving deep into American politics, per se. So that's why we're covering all the bases now. You're gonna we be skip great. American politics for almost exclusively. Yeah. So, you guys are going to go to a cocktail party. You know, we're obviously the choice one. You listen to us first before you go to the party so you can impress people what you know about <laughs> Russia or uh, Belarus or Lebanon, anywhere. But then you, you might want to mix in some American data science. You might want to mix in some political science and political philosophy. Andrew Heaton is a, a top-notch blowhard. He will give you some great tidbits. Great so, tidbits. So, yeah. so that's, we're, we're recommending these two shows to you because we know them. We love them. Yes. We, stand, we endorse them. We're giving them a our endorsement. Seal of approval. Yes, much like uh, who, McCain's wife just endorsed, endorsed Biden, which was... Cindy out of the McCain. blue. Out of the blue. We are the Cindy McCain. Who's Cindy we're the McCain? Cindy <laughs> McCain of podcasting is what we've long been and, called. So and, we're gonna, and we're going to once a month uh, join forces to create a bonus episode, which is this one. Which is what we're doing hear. right here, right? Yeah. So we decided the best way to create synergy among the shows is we're, it's not just lip service. We're not just telling you to go listen to them. Once a month, we're going to be doing a bonus show. This exact show you're about to hear is going to be airing on their show, on their feeds, both of their feeds and our feeds, all three of our feeds. It's a roundtable discussion of sorts, much like uh, the sports reporters. You remember them, right, Cap? Yeah, this, this is the sports reporters. Uh, I'm Andrew Heaton is Dick Shap. Yes. You're, I'm the Mike Lupica, I think. Uh, I, I wanted to. Who am I? The Bob Ryan. Lupica? You could be the Bob Ryan. <laughs> Yes, I don't want to be the Bill Conlon. You look that up, everybody at home. But you don't. I don't even know who that is. So He's the that's... Philly guy who had a little pedophilia late in his career. So definitely don't want to be guy. him. Don't want to be him. But yeah. So although well, I am yeah. glad we worked pedophilia into this intro, this yeah. five minute intro we're about to get to. <laughs> uh, so so we're doing that once a month, and I from our side, it actually is going to fit perfectly because we used to do news on this show. We used to end every episode with news. We cut that out about eight weeks ago so we could extend these interviews because we're getting such great interviews. And by yeah. the way, the feedback on that's been amazing. People love yeah. what we're doing with that. But we thought once a month, why don't we give you a full news show? Yeah. So we're going to take news. one news topic just like we did today. And uh, we're going to go around the horn and discuss it. Now, here's the caveat. Yeah. Yes. Give us the we recorded this on Wednesday, the right. topic being the presidential debate debacle that happened on Tuesday night. Am I getting that right? Was that Tuesday, Kaplan? That was Tuesday, yes. And it was uh, uh, Biden versus, versus Trump. And we all know how that played out. So on Wednesday, we all, the four of us got together and discussed the debacle. And I think we did a good job of not doing it in a partisan way. We just kind of dove into it, analyzed it of sorts, yeah. right? As much as we could. I mean, That's us, now coming out yeah. today, which feels mm -hmm. dated already because Trump has coronavirus. Yeah, I would have been a much nicer towards him if I knew he had coronavirus. 
So there's nothing we could okay. do about that. That's just kind of <laughs> what happened is yeah. he, the news caught up to us, caught up to us and went past us. So feel free to give this a listen so you can get an idea of what they sound like, what we all sound like together. If you like them, which I think you will, go ahead and subscribe to their shows. We'll put the link to their shows in the description of this show. And just know this World Smartest Podcast, we're going to be hitting you with once a month. And then on Monday of next week, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled program, Lost in America. Cap, am I forgetting anything or should we get straight to the show? It's our 200th episode coming this Monday. 200th episode. But in the meantime, enjoy the show. We'll be back with this whole gang in a month. So, All right. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Wow. What a debate. Well, should we start with the debate or should we start with us? And I, what's think, going on I here? think people more than wanting to hear about the debate, they want to hear about America's sweethearts. Us. Yes. So let's the new, the new toughest gang in town. That's right. That's right. We're, we're the greasers of the digital world. Uh, and and we're, you know what? I think we're all providing a valuable service between now and the end of the election and or our republic of uh, giving pithy, independent uh, analysis of it. And we're all kind of covering different things. Andrea, your show is real smart and funny. What do, what do you do? What's up? All right. So, yeah, let's uh, let's fix the world between now now and the end of it uh, in a month. So I am Andrea. I'm the host of Ask a Political Scientist. It's a live streaming YouTube show slash podcast that's every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time where we bring a political scientist and a practitioner together to talk about big problems like polarization and the media and racism and what makes people vote and stuff like that, uh, partisanship. And uh, we take live questions from the YouTube audience uh, in real time. So whenever you're watching the news and shouting and screaming or screaming into the, the Twitter void, you can actually direct it to experts who will answer in real time. Wait, and- so so like like normally when you're really mad at uh, like AT&T or Verizon or something, you're like, God, I wish I didn't have this bot. I just want to scream at somebody. This yeah, is our chance human. to scream at the system itself if we want to. That's right. Consider anything where you're just like, why is it like this? You can scream at us. And honestly, if you're having Verizon issues, you can scream at us about that, too. It's very yeah. Pe- people yeah. don't People don't know that, that political scientists are the, the whipping boys of the world, that you are all, you're all permitted to be. You, you will just absorb the anger. That's have, you, right. have you had Morris Fiorina on? I have not, though I had someone on my show last week uh, deliver a sick burn against Morris Fiorina's work, Ooh. and I thought of that. Yeah, yeah well, wow. t- th- them's that. fighting words. I'm, I'm a Fiorina acolyte. I love was, that guy. It was a wild. <laughs> I like him too. It was a. It's a wild insider dispute about how you measure polarization. So that's the kind of drama we, we, to break. I'll was be it, honest. Was it Eric Grossman? Because I like him too, but he was like, "Oh man, no, Fiorina's off." No, no. They just said that Fiorina was boring. Okay. I have okay. no idea who you're what, talking about. Yeah. Real quick, what political yeah. scientist here, other than you, Andrea, is is like super entertaining <laughs> and not yeah. a dry, boring person at the back of an office with elbow patches? You I, actually I wa- have to be boring to get into political science grad school. So, well, that's kind of what I thought. the The whole point of this network, though, which is World Smartest Podcast Network. Welcome everyone to the network. Uh-huh. Turner Sparks here, host of Lost in America podcast. But the whole point of this network is that. We had talked about this off air that anyone you get these pol- like political people or these uh, these science nerds. Right. And then they are doing what they consider to be this like smart, hilarious podcast. And you listen to it. And frankly, the only thing it's good for is going to sleep at night. Right. You can put it in and fall asleep. It's good for insomnia. Have, and then, have, on have the you, other have hand, you guys seen the Washington Post's Department of Satire? Has anybody checked that out? No. Oh, is this- it's all, all of us being funny people. Like it's um, imagine super nerds who at some point watched like two and a half men and were mm-hmm. like, I could do that. 
And then like, and then with, with zero training, tried to make a humor website within the Washington post. And like everybody at the Washington post is like, you're so clever. And And uh, a lot of the jokes are this. They're like, so I heard you had an interesting night last night. And the guy goes, uh, I went out to dinner with my wife and let's just leave it at that. Yeah. And then the everyone laughs. gets used at some point. I'm like, the joke is not, you can't say it's a joke and then bail on the joke before you've even told like that's, that doesn't. And then everyone nervously laughs because it's not yep. that funny, but you think you're killing. So anyway, it's either that or it's these comedians who want to be political and end up just accidentally starting the proud boys. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, you're doing quite well these days. They're, actually. Yeah, they yeah. got they got a shout out the debate last yeah. night. And they yeah. go, they're they're not joining the network though, correct? They're not. They're not one of us. So we decided we're the only we're four people somewhere in the middle of all this. We're and not so proud. Grouping together, oh. we're less proud than they are. Uh, so anyway, we are uh, uh, Michael uh, Ira Kaplan and I are the Lost in America podcast. We bring on. Comedians, we take a global news story. So we rarely talk about America. These are world stories. The, the, the election, the stolen election in Belarus recently, uh, the protests going on in Thailand, what Russians think of our elections, what Russians think of Trump. We, we find a comedian who's living in one of those places around the world, from one of those places around the world, and we go there and we talk to them on the ground about what's happening. What is the Belarusian revolution like when you live in Minsk? Okay, we'll go find Misha Kalin, the comedian who lives there and started the comedy scene there. And he tells us what it's like. And you end up getting much more of an unfiltered perspective. What we've found is that people will always tell us like, oh, be careful when you talk to them. There's no free speech in that country. So they're not going to want to say much, which is true until you talk to a comedian and they're like, who gives a shit? I'll say anything I want to (laughs) say. And you get this insane, crazy insider story. So that's what we do every week. This week Wait, we so, have so, so you're 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 basically like if the economist were in the comedy cellar. Exactly. That's it. That's yes. nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah we take good. economist stories almost almost exclusively. We yes, punch we up the jokes in the economist stories. That's what we <laughs> yeah. do. We take stories from the economists and we find comedians. And I think our uh, the real uh, gauge of success for us will be how many of these comedians end up in prison in their That's own right. country. <laughs> We're taking bets on who will be the first country. We, we've done Lebanon, we've done Belarus, we've done Russia now. Yeah, we're uh, Thailand. Thailand, apparently, you're not Thailand's allowed to leader. You're not Thailand's allowed to mention the king. Tough. I was about to say Thailand. Yeah, Thailand. Like... They have the they have the famously the 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 toughest anti royalty cl- like whatever the world. Uh, he, yeah. You probably know the word uh, for that. Uh, uh, le- le- les Majeste laws. I knew you knew the word. So we and we and I knew that going in and we had this poor uh, comedian on and within like two seconds. I was saying the king left and right. And he was getting so uncomfortable on the zoom. Now, is that what happened? (laughs) We we haven't heard from him. We should check in. He has not promoted it. They also have really, really, really tough anti-defamation laws. Like some Australia that was working over there just got arrested and might go to prison for two years for giving a really bad trip advisor review. Like he oh. like he compared like he's like this this hotel was horrible they wouldn't let me break my own bottle of liquor it's modern day slavery and they were like we're taking you to prison like, I, like, so be careful in Thailand game I gave yeah, a bad review once but I didn't use my real name so you use Thank Turner's you. name so that he's he's screwed <laughs> if he ever goes over there this is Turner's <laughs> final Schaefer. podcast yeah. appearance Heaton tell us about your show I host the Political Orphanage now I I realize uh, for for people on your respective shows because we're all going to share these on our respective feeds so for people that are that are listening that aren't a regular listener of my show, I get that we all love being super hardcore Republicans and Democrats now, and that everyone in America agrees that red team and blue team are awesome and the system's great. But there is a tiny sliver of us, myself included, that's like, you know what? I'm not really stoked to be on red team or blue team. And on top of that, I I occupy this 
crazy psychological space where I enjoy having friendships with people I disagree with. And so I wanted to form a space for people like that that didn't want to play rock'em, sock'em robots with politics anymore. So I created the political orphanage and I, I style it as a pithy podcast for problem solvers as opposed to uh, as opposed to rank partisanship. So on Wednesdays, I talk to an author or a thought leader or a warlord or a mintat. Uh, last week I had on PJ O'Rourke. Um, the week before that, I had on a neuroscientist to talk about how neurochemicals affect people in politics. Turns out that serotonin is a really big factor on Twitter. Then on Fridays, I just bring on straight up comedians. We just kick around funny headlines. So uh, Fridays, you will learn nothing. There will be nothing added to value to your life other than humor. Wednesdays will actually be pretty thinky. You'll sound smart at a cocktail party if they still existed in the COVID era. But you can really stock it up. So when we finally are able to see each other in person, if you listen to The Political Orphanage, you'll sound brilliant. And until then, it's kind of like a cocktail party, right? You can drink heavily while listening and call yeah. that socializing, right? Yeah, I won't right. tell anybody. Just, you know, right. just try not to drive while you're doing it. Uh, so that's the world's smartest podcast now. Yes. Uh-huh. We, we, before you go to a cocktail party, you should listen to all of our shows. So then you, right. will be, you, will be the, you will be the best blowhard, as we like to say, in Los <laughs> America. In the mere three-hour reading list ahead yeah, of any <laughs> cocktail party or social engagement. Well, sure. Actually, I'll, I'll add to that that I have, I have got a bunch of guests uh, on my program explicitly from you lot. So like Morris Fiorina, who I was bragging on earlier, Morris. because he he <laughs> is he, we call him Mo now. Did you know Wait, that? Oh, oh, that's a man. I thought Mo, it was a woman. I thought I it was a woman be, too. But Mo, Mo, Fiorina is such a womanly Fiorina. last yeah. name. Agreed. His, that is my biggest concern. Are you all Fiorina's aware is, this is a post-gender society, his, though? Yes, that's true. His, his surname is horribly effeminate. That said, though, I'm a big fan of him. But I, I was introduced to him by by Andrea, who I think even like let me put her name in the tagline of like Andrea oh. sent me or something like that. And uh, if anybody listens to my program, likes Jeremy Kerrigan, who I was reminded of because you used the word blowhard. Uh, oh, he's yeah. one of my favorite <laughs> blowhards. And I got oh, him yeah. specifically from Turner, who for like months was like, you should really talk to this dude. He's a playwright. He was a writer for uh, for Gary Johnson. And I was like, oh. Uh, maybe and then i invited him out i'm like oh yeah he's fantastic so yeah like we have him on lost in america yeah. he did um what's his play on on broadway kaplan lifespan of effect he wrote on broadway and we have him on a couple times and i'm like this is heaton's best friend they just haven't <laughs> met yet <laughs> have you have you talked to his buddy joe have, have you had joe on your podcast he, yet he told us about joe but we oh, haven't had him God. on yet joe is okay Joe is the official translator for Dennis Rodman when he's in North Korea. I mean, and, and like having spoken to him, it's not even that he speaks North Korean that well. It's that he can speak Dennis Rodman very well. I was going to say, that vocabulary <laughs> cannot overlap. Yeah, Dennis Rodman's like, Joe. hey, give me the blue one. And he's like, I know what that means. He wants this thing. And like, yeah, like translates it. Yeah, hot coin in Korean? <laughs> he wants a blue icy. Go get it. <laughs> uh, but yes, anyway, we we are now, uh, I, I think, probably the world's smartest podcast network. We couldn't That's legally right. call ourselves that if it hadn't been verified by the, the federal podcasting agency. Um, right. So we have that. And the first thing that we've decided to tackle is we're going to tackle uh, the the presidential debate that, <laughs> that elucidated the election before us last night, helped the many people on the fence come to a rational decision mm-hmm. about who they wanted to vote for. Uh, so did, did you get did, you, did everybody watch it? And if, if you watched it, did anybody remain sober by the end? And if so, I really want to talk to you about what your experience was like watching it. I, to, the, I, yeah, no, to the chagrin of my wife, I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. After about 11 minutes, she went in the other room and was like, I'm done with this. I can't handle this. And I said, I'm, I need to. I, this is homework for a podcast yeah. I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> 
I watched it watched completely it. sober. It was a disaster. I, I was sober as well. And I only because I've become a lightweight and get a headache by even looking at alcohol. Uh, and I only watched it because of this podcast. And honestly, I think I would have as much to say if I had just read a couple of the Twitter reactions. Well, okay, well, so so I, I had two scotches, which I think is acceptable nice. for the amount of, of, of. I think you're required to have that two, to keep right. going, right? Two, yeah. That's it. Two, like, two bottles of doors. Yes. Do you yes, pour meat or do you do the ice? Or what, you know, it, so, so I'm staying with my parents this week uh, and, and dad has doers on hand. Got so a, he, your dad's got a study, right? I can picture. Oh, yeah, the, yes. Yeah, he's got a study. So, so yeah. The canter. Huh? <laughs> you got the canter of. No, we don't. I, wait, no, I think we do. We have a ceremonial decanter, but I think okay. we put like like we put tea in it or something. I don't think we even have liquor in it. I think it's just it's just some like interesting thought piece. Uh, but yeah, but but I know even I, more elitist, by the way, than an actual like decanter is a ceremonial decanter. No, the reason that we did that was that when, as I understand it, like when they would invite like or not invite, when they would hire a workman or a plumber, they would notice that like the, the brandy in it would go down mm. <laughs> and they were like, all right, we're not going to put real liquor in this anymore. Someone might rewire our house in a funny way and it'll catch fire or something. So they changed that. Um, anyway, my point is about three quarters of the way through the debate, I was like, is this is, am I drunk or is this just truly horrible? Is this just an awful thing? Like, if, like, and, and I'm hearing from you guys that, that that is correct, that regardless of, of the respective sobriety, everybody was like, no, it was a train wreck. Well, yeah, I, I was drunk. Just so you know, I, I was okay. I drank two big. I got like a headache. I'm like hungover right now. I haven't been drunk. Right. This but yeah, it was the world's dumbest. We, which uh, might make you most. the embodiment of the United States at the moment after yeah, that. I don't you have to be drunk. To, otherwise, I would have turned it off. But I wanted to watch it. I had it for the uh -huh. pot for this for this experience. I had to watch it. So I, I, I've battled through. But I don't know. I know how anybody to your point would watch that sober. Well, um, I also feel that if you watched five minutes, you understood exactly what yeah. happened for the remaining 600 hours that followed. Yeah. yeah. And, when, and when you're drunk, you enjoy a battle. So you enjoy the craziness of just like people tearing each other apart. I tried. Like, I, tried I was watching it and I was like, it, I, I kept reminding myself, how would, would this be entertaining if I didn't live in America yeah. or on Earth? And if that were the case, like if I were living on the moon, I think it would have been hilarious. It would have been great. Mm. And I suspect that like Vladimir Putin was probably hospitalized for a, an erection that wouldn't stop uh, by the end of that. Like <laughs> he, he probably had like a four hour erection and he's like yeah. just gasping for air for laughing so hard the whole time. It's probably great if you're if you're not in America. Well, yeah, can, Turner and Cap, can you talk to your contacts, your your comedy spies about what they thought of it? Because yeah, we'll ask, it was great comedy uh, in Belarus too. Yeah, we'll ask Oleg Oleg Denisov, our, our our guest from this past week. Can we start with strategy on this? Because hmm. I think that both of their strategies I have I recognize from stand up comedy, and I have enlisted both both of those things at certain points to ver to varying levels of success. Okay. And so I, I to start with Biden's you, strategy. You, you do a lot of race baiting in your comedy. Oh god, <laughs> a lot, <laughs> mostly. Have you heard his Proud Boys bit? You, you just <laughs> did his bit about the suburbs. And yeah. how much <laughs> Forget what they said. What they said doesn't matter. It, this this whole debate it was had nothing to do with what they said. It was okay. all their demeanor, and they also said nothing of nothing of importance at all throughout the whole thing. There was no details on any single plan at all. It was literally just, this was the whole debate. Biden went in saying, this is a stand-up move. You do this in stand-up comedy. This is how you deal with hecklers. One of the major strategies of dealing with a heckler in stand-up comedy is you let, they heckle you, they heckle you, they heckle you. You don't respond. You stand in front of, say they're on the right side of the stage, right? You stand with you put one foot out so you're kind of facing three quarters of the of the audience with them behind you 
So you put them to your back, face the rest of the room mm. and address the rest of the room, acknowledging that that person is odd, is not in the group. Right. And you either do, you can do it Physically verbally. You them. can be like, Hey, who brought this guy? Eh? Who, who are you? Who's driving him home? Like one of those things. <laughs> yeah. Or you can do it non-verbally. You can just look and smile and kind of like roll your eyes and laugh at, get everyone laughing at how ridiculous that person is. That's the exact move. I, I recognized it immediately. I was like, Oh, right. someone got into, I don't know if he's has like Dave Chappelle or John Stewart on staff or, or, you know, who? It could be Joe no, Shaker doing it for free. It could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I bet Al Franken calls him periodically. Yeah. Maybe it's Al Franken. Uh, and, and somebody said, pull this move. And when he started doing it, I thought it worked to a point. It, the, the, when it stopped working, that's, that's when Biden was just looking straight at the camera and laughing right. at Trump, but not responding to Trump. And it would have worked much more effectively if he never responded to Trump. The problem is he got dug into it a couple of times and he was like, you're the worst president in the history of America. Well, and the, 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 the other problem is that normally you can like, n- normally like I don't get heckling. I find to be pretty rare, but when heckling does happen, like, like nine times out of 10, the heckler thinks they're assisting you. And you're just like, Hey dude, I've got it covered. And if they don't, you just like, you just kind of like deal with them. And if they keep messing with you, you just like, where's a bouncer to get this, this, this jackass out of here. But you yeah. can't do that when the jackass is the president right. and you have three uninterrupted hours of heckling. So I feel like like that, that only worked to a point. And then it was like, you yeah. can't like, you can't well, punch him in the face. And he didn't have a live audience that he could like rally to be like, yeah, what's going on with this dude and kind of exactly. make fun of him. He just had Chris Wallace, who was really a, not a good audience member as far as stand-up comedy goes. <laughs> He's a terrible. He's not someone I want in the front can, row at the Lansing Comedy Club. I I would completely favor Chris Wallace having a mute button that he could use. And if if that doesn't seem okay, I am fine giving that man a starter pistol that he's allowed to fire (laughs) into the air to try and like just wave the gut around going, shut up, just shut up to try and like restore order to that ridiculous setup. Turner, what what is Trump's strategy, do you reckon? So then Trump, I've also done this in stand up and this is not a good move. Stand up. Com- <laughs> this is when you come in and you just bulldoze. Right. Mm. And bulldozing works if you're the fifth one comedy wise, if you're the fifth one on the lineup and the room's hot and they're laughing at anything. And that's when you come in hot and you're matching the audience's energy that's already there. But mm. if you're walking into a dead room, which Trump is, this audience is told they're not allowed to react. They're not allowed to do anything. Which and is a shock that they pulled that off, right? I would have been amazing. It was totally tepid applause when they came in. Like it was like like, yeah. like when they came in, it was like, yeah. And I was like, that's the correct allowed of applause. They finally nailed the, the correct level of happiness that America right. has watching that's these right. two men at the stage. That's right. Yeah. And then when you when you bulldoze a dead audience, it's like there's no acknowledgement of connection. What you have to do is you start out really soft. And then you build up, which is what you see in most debates, right? They don't get hot until like 45 minutes, an hour right. in. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, start yeah. Out start with pleasantries then, usually. They pretend to be civil for the first 30, 40 minutes. Trump does not. Yeah, he's not a normal politician. There's no. You, but, but then the right. bulldozer, yeah. that's when you come off like a lunatic. Is when right. you just come, And I've done that before, too. When I've, I've gone into rooms that aren't hot and I come in screaming, going crazy. And the audience is like, who is this maniac? And then you just you're terrible. You bomb through the whole thing. And if you if you if you use disproportionate power with a heckler, you lose the audience as well. If, if, a, if a heckler right. is like, hey, like, I'm going to say this funny thing. And you're like, shut up, you more. You will die alone. You will die alone and sad. And I hate you. And I will beat you with a tire. Like. 
The audience, yeah. you lose the audience when you do that. You've got that's to respond. You that's your 20th response to the heckler. Right. Yeah. After yeah, everything yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. And then it's funny because we've all, and you're right, Turner, for, for speeches, for comedy, it's like you start tempid and then like you get more excited and the audience gets more excited with you. And then the screaming match is super powerful or super hilarious. And it was just insane. I mean, but I just he, felt like I was watching a child. I know people have made this analogy, but it's just like, and the fact that he just basically wouldn't stop talking when it wasn't his term, I was like, or his turn. I was just like, we are dealing with someone with like a two-year-old with true behavioral issues. Like See, not I, even I, a good two-year-old. I think he, Trump is his personality type. I don't know that he's dumb. Like I don't like I like I think that there could be some really good raw material back there. But he's always struck me as like the guy at the back of the history class going like the Michael Michelangelo statue's penis is showing. Like he's the guy just like trying to derail everything by shouting stuff and was like very much in that mode during the debate. Well, I think that he understands something that the Biden, the regular politicians, Hillary Clinton definitely didn't understand. He understands it's a TV show. Yeah. So, so he understands what gets ratings. Everyone's talking about it if it's a train wreck. So he instinctively knows, like, I'm going to be like that. You were like, you, if he came in and did pleasantries, you'd be like, this is boring. And you turn it off. Mm. So he. No, that's, wait, he, Kaplan, he gets, I disagree. I mean, it, I see what you're saying, but even on TV, that I mean, comedy is also a performance, right? Yeah. And you need to you need to build. You can, if you come in so hot, you get what Yeah did, what my wife did, what any of us, if we didn't have to do this podcast, would have done is you just turn it off within five minutes. And everything I was seeing, at least on Twitter, that's what people were doing. You're like, I'm not watching this, and they just but left I, and did something. I else. thought he was the first 15 minutes. I was like, this is about, Trump's killing him. Like I this viscerally, I thought Trump was winning the debate. No. So, so, so oh, I, in the first 15 minutes and then Biden, it got too much. I, that's that's why I think he mm. I, I think I think I Trump think. has a three prong strategy that that he employed in this debate. Uh, the, the, the first one was uh, Turner's absolutely right. His his base, his audience views him as a pro wrestler. Like he, yeah. he's, he's he's in the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. They know that. They're looking forward to it. Nobody at this point is like, you know, Trump's well, he's probably a really pleasant like. No, everybody knows how he is. Everybody knows how he is personally. That's not he's not going to alienate his audience doing that. And in fact, a lot of them are tuning in explicitly to watch the train wreck. But I think that there's there's two additional things he was doing throughout the debate. One was he just needed to make a Biden stumble because there there's now this whole framework in place of Biden is senile. Right. That is, is a right wing right. talking point constantly. So anytime you can piss off Biden to the point where where and I was watching this going, there's no way I could have done this. I, I would have kicked the podium off. Like, I just would have kicked the podium over and, and like shouted an obscenity and walked straight to a bar. I, I would have I would have been able to last in there 20 minutes before I would have either been arrested for assaulting the president or I would have got to a bar. Uh, so like that was point number one was just make him lose his cool. And I think the other point's actually more insidious. Trump knows he's not going to lose his audience by being a pro wrestler jackass. Right. He also knows it's to his benefit to get people to turn off the TV. It's it's to his benefit mm. to have people go, I hate this. This is so stupid. I hate both of these men. This election is awful. Our country's a waste. I don't even want to be a part of this. I'm going to go watch Netflix. I'm done with this. I'm not voting. Because those people were probably going to vote for Biden. Whereas his core is locked in. He doesn't have to worry about his core being turned off by his right. antics. So He's his there. antics only serve to suppress the people that might not vote for him. As much as I like to think Trump is just a flailing idiot, Heaton, I think you're right about <laughs> all of those things. I think it does like discourage people who aren't that animated about Biden. But I will say the one thought I had uh, about Biden and try and what they were trying to get him to do is that the right has pushed so hard to make Biden seem senile and he can't hold a thought together. And and I think that they set the bar so low that, was, yeah, that Biden looked pretty good. And yeah. 
I saw Trump kind of jab at him like once Biden said, number one, blah, blah, blah. And then Trump interrupted him. And then Biden went back and said, number three. And Trump was like, you were on two and tried to call out that like senility. But that was one very desperate. <laughs> three uh, totally didn't land and didn't do much for the actual conversation. Like, I think his whole plan to set Biden up as as like to, mentally unwell or unfit didn't work. Yeah, no, that's I think you're right. Both right. I think he tries to get like get him both. He wants to take Biden in the mud with him and then make yeah. people just mad about the whole process and say, oh, both people. You get the headline yeah. that they're both sending names. But he also he they set the bar. So they had Giuliani on Fox News yesterday saying that he's like he's all these doctors have, say he has dementia. You know, he got the Fox and, and, and then you see him. He speaks. He speaks. He's a guy. Biden. Saying exactly. Biden has dementia or Trump? There's all these, all the, the Fox News talking point, the right wing talking point was that, that Biden has dementia and he's seen now. And I see it, on, ah. I see it on Facebook with friends of mine who are Trumpers and they, they're posting all these things mm-hmm. about how he's so senile. And then he comes in the debate and he's pretty good overall. You know, he had a few moments. What, what about the other side of this? I mean, the exact opposite of what you were saying, Heaton. What about if, uh, if Biden's uh, obviously like we know polls don't matter, right? They, it's, yeah. it's really hard to trust polls. Poll, but if you polls, polls mostly I, like Andrea might dispute this. I think I polls mostly exist to employ pollsters. I think mm. they're basically make work programs at this point. I don't believe in polls anymore. I do believe in gambling, but I don't believe in polls. So do you so, believe in the like the betting on elections? Yes, I do. I, ah. I, in fact, that's what I go to is I go explicitly yep. to betting. And then after betting, I look at where hedge fund managers are putting their money. Yep. And then after that, I check polls. But polls are that's third right. on the list for me. That's right. That's good. Why is but that polls, the case, Andrea? So polls are fine, but they have a huge margin of error. And I think it's actually a lot bigger than is shown. So there's like the statistical margin of error, but then there's the broader margin of error that comes with sampling from, say, a not completely random and representative population that's kind of picked up in margin of error, but not really. And there's a lot of what we call selection bias, which is the people who answer polling calls or emails and things like that are a very small percentage of the people that's willing are willing to talk to a stranger and willing to share something honest. And so they're just really, really noisy measures. And to Heaton's point about the betting markets and what hedge fund managers are doing, it's very easy for us to say what we're going to do mm-hmm. and have that not be what we're going to do. Yeah, it's when, when you pull people and you're like, who's going to win? And you're like, man, Bernie Sanders is going to take it. I believe in him 100 yeah. percent. You're like, you want to bet 50 dollars on that? No, I'll bet 25 dollars yeah. on Biden. I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, exactly. But right now, the gambling set still has uh, Biden as the favorite. Yeah, he right? actually improved right. after yeah. the debate. He proved to minus one fifty. Yeah. And, and I, I, th- I think the Biden strategy is is this: he is the Benadryl candidate. He is he's the candidate where it's like, hey, are you just sick of this? I would I, love some Benadryl right now. I, I am a, I am a half pint of Benadryl for America. Yeah. And like, which so, by the way, I'm on Team Benadryl. I would love to, to tone this mm. all down so that politics can go back to nerds and everybody else can go yeah, to Netflix. Yeah, remember when we used to not be obsessed with it every single yeah. waking moment of our lives, even uh, those of us who spend a lot of time thinking about it? Yeah. Well, yeah, and, so and does for that, that mean it, then if no one watches, if if people turn that off after five minutes last night or ten minutes, and then. I mean, I can almost guarantee you that the ratings for the next one and the third one are going to be tiny compared to the first five minutes of this one, right? Yeah, probably. Because of what happened last night. People are like, I'm not going to, why would I watch that again? So could, can't you argue then that if Biden's in the lead right now with the betting, then this favors who's ever in the lead because people are not going to be making their decisions off of the second and the third because they're not even going to watch the second and the third. Mm. 
I, I don't think that I, I, I don't know. I, I me not being a political scientist. I have a very difficult time envisioning anyone in America that's on the fence at this point. Yeah, like we've we've got we've got the guy that was the VP from the last regime for eight years. We have a pretty good idea of what that regime looked like. We've got the, the current angry Muppet that is leading this regime. We know what he's about. We know what the old regime's about. Like, I, I don't know. Like, like remember the, the third debate last time there was that guy with the mustache and the sweater where like like Hillary oh, yeah. and, and Trump were just fighting, 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 fighting. And then he, he came up. up Twitter last night. What was his name? Ken uh, Bone. Ken yeah. Bone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, and, he, and, he, and he was just real smiley. And he's like, I'd really like to know what you're going to do about oil tariffs or something like that. Yeah. Like no one in America is like that at this point where yeah. someone's like, you know, they've, they, we, we, you know, we've got two good candidates. It's just a question yeah. of what the tiebreaker is between these wonderful people that embody our nation's ideals. Right. And, and really, for me, it's probably going to come down to pensions more. for unions with, yeah. with the fire department. Like, no, yeah. no one's doing at least I don't think so. I don't, Andrea, is there like a group yeah. of of dimwits that are just like 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 waiting to see how many Trump signs are in, in the yard? on the way to their polling station or vice versa. They're just going to vote based on that. Yeah, basically not. So the big story in political science, even before this uh, uh, shit show, to quote CNN, is that debates don't really do much anyway. And undecided voters are overcounted. And again, it goes back to polling, where it's really just noise around people being undecided or not answering and things like that, as opposed to true undecided people. Uh, or people who look like if you look if it looks like people are changing their minds like oh now Biden's ahead now Trump's ahead so we must have undecided people that's just also noise and they've done some cool studies to show that and then the other piece is so so very few undecided voters uh, and then the other piece is that debates just don't really seem to change people's minds in a big way there are some exceptions so one of the things I was thinking about last night is political scientists got very excited when we started seeing televised debates in the first place, because that was the first time you saw candidates up close. And the story there is that some political scientists say that that made politics overall more emotional because Mm. you could see facial expressions up close. People could be more nuanced in their feelings. And from there, we see American politics become much more of an emotional exercise in the decades since TV. So debates matter, but in a very long term. Man, okay, so I I, I am like I am a quarter Vulcan on my dad's side and I think everything's way too emotional. I want everybody to calm the calm the hell down. You got to go back to radio and then. I, well, this, honestly, only- this is this is what I would do. So, like, we're about to like this. This was the first question for the the the, the debate. Was like, what are we going to do about uh, Amy Barrett and the Supreme Court thing? I I think all all inquests that Congress does, all hearings Congress does, the public absolutely has a right to a transcript, and that should be it. Or conversely, I would be happy to have uh, people on camera that are the ones being interviewed, but you're not allowed to see the people asking the question. You can't see the senators. It mm. just gives you a, a card oh. that says what what a senator said, because then they'd all shut the hell up and do their jobs. I think there's so much grandstanding yeah. in yeah. it. There's so much emotion that is going to drive donors to my thing and just feeling self-righteous and angry. Like, I hate all of it. And, yeah. and like at this point, watching this horrible train wreck of a debate that is the twilight of American democracy. Like, I wish that, like, Chris Wallace had just sent hand-drawn postcards to both candidates and been like, check yes or no on these boxes, and we'll just all compare that. So what would you guys do if you were Chris Wallace? Like, what's a better way to handle this? If you're the one, whatever, running the debate? I would have left. I would have left about halfway through. I mean, I think he shouldn't. He tried to do the thing where he asked them a lot of these questions were like, how will voters know the difference? of? He, he tried to treat them like normal, like a normal election. You know, that was another mistake. Mm. He, like asking Trump, why is your policy on, on X different than your opponents? He never answers that. So I think, I yeah, how do you get around that? As you know, actually, I take this. This is what I would have done if I'd been Chris Wallace. I would have been like, guys, 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 gentlemen, please get him to stop for a second. I would have been like. 
the three of us met for drinks before this. And we said that, Trump, you were going to do this and Biden was going to do that. And we had the whole Kabuki thing worked out and you're throwing this off. Now, don't like we like just make him look like he's also part of the establishment. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. what. What Romney should have done, wait, you remember when Romney tried to derail Trump in 2016 and he came out and he's like, I'm not running for president, but don't vote for this guy. Yeah. Like, like yeah. remember that moment? It did oh, nothing. Yeah. All it did was make all the anti-establishment people go, oh, Romney, Romney doesn't like him. I love him. Romney right. should have come out and been like, guys, listen, I'm also an old, rich, white guy. I've yeah. hung out with this man socially. Don't worry about it. I'm telling you, you don't need to worry about Trump because it's all an act. You don't need to worry about him. He's one of us. He's one of us rich, white establishment dudes. This is just don't worry. It's all bluster. And that would have taken the wind out of his sails. So I would have done that as Chris Wallace. Mm. Yes. I yeah. think the issue, uh, Andrea, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I think the issue is it was the, the, the format of the debate was just so bizarre. Like it was two minutes each to speak and then 11 minutes of just free talk. Yeah. You know, mm. like. It needed to be way more structured. Can we do two minutes, two minutes, and then you get a 30-second rebuttal, 30-second rebuttal, and then and even if you're doing a lot of like, man, you're, sir, your time is up. Your time is up. At least that's better than just yeah. this like willy-nilly, say what you want, no rules, go where you want. Of yeah. course, it's going to degenerate pretty quickly into these guys just being complete morons. Well, and if you can't have someone keep the time, why people talked about a mute button, but why not just program the microphone so that they turn oh, off when your two yeah. minutes are up or, and then you're just or, like, OK, now we're moving on. The, the other thing that I thought they tried to do was he kept being like, OK, this is the end of this segment. We're moving on. And so we would bring up an issue with Supreme Court, healthcare, whatever. And then they would kind of yell about it in a free for all. And then he'd say, well, that's the end of the segment and move on. I would have preferred to see three segments that were actually about something as opposed to. Yeah. Screaming about 20 headlines. One of my listeners, and I, I can't remember the name. I apologize if you're if you're listening, but emailed me a couple of years ago with a great suggestion, which was what if we had rather than a live debate, we just had the, a list of questions and like you get two minutes, you can record it and send it in the statement however you want. And then the other guy gets 45 seconds to respond. And we're just going to go back and forth like that. And you get to think about it. You get yeah. to write out the response, which they're they're doing beforehand anyway, like both of the yeah. candidates, particularly Biden this time around. Biden had a bunch of like zingers mm. that yeah. somebody told him. And you yeah. could just see like, oh, man, they'd given him a note card with some jokes on it. Trump and had like, his, Trump's, comedians Trump's have to like, make money in the yeah. pandemic. All right. <laughs> Trump's clear zinger was when he was like, I've been in uh, in 47 months. Yeah. I've done yeah. more than you did in 47 years. I'm like, oh, somebody right. wrote that for yeah. him last night. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and, and yeah, Biden had that line about the suburbs that he was just waiting to get out. It's like you wouldn't know the suburbs yeah. unless you made a wrong turn, which didn't really make. I like how you like the, the way you prove you're a tough guy is that you're from the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really I grew cool. up on a cul-de-sac with a briefcase yeah. and a dream. And then he was and also I, like, you wouldn't. You're kind of your kind doesn't like me. A little old Roman Catholic is like, what yeah. is that? Your like, ra- like my poor race of Roman working Catholic? class. Oh, no, right, right. He he. That, that's a smart move on Biden's part because Biden needs to Pennsylvania. Uh, but Biden needs Pennsylvania. Biden also needs to not piss off religious people. And there's there's a chance that the Democrats are going to overplay their hand with the incoming uh, Amy Barrett because mm. um, Amy Barrett's a lady. She's probably not groped any other ladies. So that's not going to be a tactic there. However, she's pro-life. She's she's a, a, a religious and a religious Christian. So like if if the if the onslaught is look at this theocrat, she's horrible. That's going to turn off the evangelicals, the religious people. So Biden's like, hey, I too am religious. I am. Yeah, but all, you know like, what? You know what turns off an evangelical? A Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah, that might be worse. <laughs> yeah, but than the entire atheist. court like is Roman Catholic. Famously at war. Kaplan yeah. would be more accepted than the Catholics. Yeah. No, for some reason, there's no evangelical Supreme He's Court uh, justices. Nope, it's all Catholics. Oh, 
Catholics and Jews. Catholics and Jews, the entire court. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And none yeah. of your, no, no wasps either, Turner. I don't know. Oh, come on. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I support Turner in the Supreme Court. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> so can, can I, can I, this is where my mind kept coming back to last night before it, it descended into a cloud of, of whiskey. Yeah. Is, uh, I, I read a, a, a book that really informed me when I was in college. It's called Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, 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 Andrea, have you read that? Are you yeah. familiar with yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So the, 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 the central thesis to Amusing Ourselves to Death by Neil Postman, he's writing in, I think, like 1982. So TV is entering the period, like the, the first period of American history where we think TV makes us stupid. Because mm-hmm. in the 50s, no one was really thinking about it. And, and it, like you got like And now three... we all collectively agree it makes us brilliant. So uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. But he but he's like because in like 1982, everybody's writing these, th- these think pieces about sitcoms are rotting our brains. And Postman writes this fascinating book where he's like, no, sitcoms don't make you stupid. People understand that sitcoms aren't real. They're watching it for for amusement. It's a pastime. They do it when they're in a hotel. And he goes, here's what we need to be on the lookout for. This is in 82. He goes, we need to be on the lookout for this. If we ever got to the point where we started combining news and politics with entertainment, entertainment, that would be the death of the republic. Because if we ever blunder into such a world, we will train everyone in America to think it's not worth paying attention to this policy or candidate unless they're entertaining. And I think we saw the full flowering of that night. Uh, last Did we night. shut down our network right yeah, now? Because I'm pretty <laughs> that's what we're doing. this entire exercise. <laughs> we're bringing down the republic here. Oh my God. Did I just, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I, okay. Af- afterwards, it's everybody read some thing. math as a kind of indulgence or something. Um, <laughs> I'll put it this way. I think that we might actually be more substantive than that debate was. I think our oh. ratio is still better. Yeah. We were more substantive when we had the first three sentences that were actually strung together. And I don't think we've screamed out loud at anyone else on on this yet. No. Was yeah. there any was there any details given of any plan by either side during that whole thing? I remember there was one <laughs> specific question. I want to say that uh, uh, Chris Wallace had for Biden, I think. And it was he pressed him on maybe his health care plan. Or no, he was talking to Trump about his health care plan, which didn't he didn't he never gave details on, yeah. right? Uh, and Biden kept saying it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. And Trump said it does, it does, but they never, no one ever got to a detail. And Pretty then much. there was the opposite, where they went up. Uh, he was pressing Biden on the details of some plan that he. It was one of the fr- rare moments where Trump actually shut up for like mm-hmm. at least a minute and a half of the two minutes. Right. And Biden rambled on, but never got to any details. But I'm forgetting what the plan was. So this is probably was a bad this thing the Medicaid one? It was very early on yeah. where he was yes. like, Obamacare yes. doesn't mandate it and Medicaid is in some states and some states can choose not to cover. It, it right. just feels like all the. But he didn't get to what his plan would be. Right. Because right? we don't want plans. Right. People, we're so at a low bar right now. We just want like someone who sounds competent. We, we don't, we, we have coronavirus. We, we don't have time for plans, basically. That's, that's what we're getting at. It There's really no was taxes. the closest. Yeah. yeah. The closest to policy was, especially near the end, was like, just shout out loud if you are pro this or against this. Like, yeah. say you're against white supremacy. Say yeah. you're a law and order mm. president. Like, we were literally just trying to get them to say things. Yeah. And then whether or not they repeated that back like a parrot was whether or not they stood for that thing. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to say so a series basic. of buzzwords and you may respond however you'd like for the social media clips. What? Like this is how we train uh, gorillas to use the alphabet, like with little shapes. Like that's basically where we ended. Well, I that's think. why I thought the one policy thing Biden actually got in was he said that his budget would include more money for police officers than, than Trump's. You know, there was an mm. example of like, and, and Trump just kept yelling, you won't say law and order. You won't say law and order. And then Biden had that. So that, I thought ah. that was a good moment for him, but, uh, I'm remembering now what it was. It was the 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 deal. The the Biden Trump was saying you support the Green New Deal. Oh. He's like, I do not support the Green New Deal. Okay, well, what's your plan? And he goes, I have a plan. A Biden it's plan. the Biden plan. 
But he wasn't saying what the Biden plan was. Like, I could be like, it's the Turner Sparks plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I am the Democratic Party. But yeah, he did a lot of that. That was great when he said that. He's like, the Democratic Party supports it. He goes, I am the Democratic Party. It's like, wow, we really. Like, hang on a second. Wait, so what do you Trump. think about when Trump, I think he did it twice. He said, oh, well, if you're not going to say this, then you've lost the radical left. So he said that after the Green yeah, New really Deal. Trying and he to said egg that, on. I think, about the law and order. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know that. I mean, the radical left is something that that he has inflated quite a bit. But I mean, is there a reality to that? Because there are people, obviously, very left of Biden. The radical who, left already hates Biden, don't they? Uh, yeah, they'll come around uh, against come around. Trump. Yeah, I, I, I think. I mean, this is this is a pretty standard tactic, right? Is that all all Republicans are evil, bigoted, stupid, racist, and all Democrats are are screaming socialist, left wing, crazy people, right? Yep. Yep. So, and, and this goes way back. Like, like remember when Al Gore was running with Joe Lieberman? Joe Lieberman, who's more yeah. Republican than anybody on this panel. Uh, is he even alive? He, Did he die? Yeah, he, he not, not only is wow. he alive, he just endorsed uh, Susan Collins for her re-election oh, in Maine. Huge. Uh, and, and, yeah, he, and he wound up leaving. swing the election. <laughs> that'll, he that'll was do infinity it. in 1999. <laughs> okay, anyway, yeah. yeah. He, uh, but, but, but like, like, but you remember like, like he was running his algorithm and like, and like at the time there were pamphlets about how Lieberman was a socialist and stuff. And it really yeah. like, it, it's no not sense. the case. Um, that, that's part of the, the I think the, the, the two main talking points that are coming out of or I'd say like the three main talking points coming out of the GOP are one, uh, Biden is senile Two, um, the Democrats are lawless and will result in, you know, broken windows, flaming cars, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and three, um, the uh, Biden is in the grip of the radical left, uh, mm-hmm. which I think they kind of have to do because Biden is a pretty good example of someone who's been consistently center left uh, his entire career, whatever. And frequently, I, I, and I think Biden's a policy train wreck. I, like I, you look back at his record, he's horrible at most of the stuff he votes on. But if you go back to the period he's voting on it, he's occupying whatever the center left mm-hmm. position was of that particular time. Right. I think what they were really hoping Trump and the Trump and the the team was that Biden for his VP choice would pick AOC. Yeah. Ugh. Right. Or <laughs> someone like so that. Badly. He needed a Warren, Elizabeth Warren or something. He really, yeah, he needed a Warren. He needed AOC or someone as, you know, out there. And then that way, all these things would ring true that he's in the pocket of the radical left. But he picked Kamala, a Kamala, excuse me. And she's like, not that. She, well, she doesn't, she's basically a cop. Yeah. She's just right? straight up right. ambitious. Well, she's, she's the ambition wing of the Democratic Party. Which they all know is unacceptable for a female politician, but okay. And, and yes. so, <laughs> and so then now they're just trying to fit a square peg into a round hole right. by being like, well, whatever he's even though he picked Kamala he's still in the pocket of the radical left with no it doesn't it doesn't tie together as nicely as they were hoping well so a long time ago on my show I had someone named Seth Maskett who just finished a book about the Democratic Party since 2016 and it's called learning from loss or learning from failure and basically it's like what do they do in the four years to recover from this and basically the big tension is exactly what Turner's describing which is do we appeal to the moderate democrats or do we appeal to the far left and hope that the moderate because you hope that the other side is going to go for them and so even you know earlier this summer it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that they were going to go moderate center this guy seemed to think that they would uh and they have but they've also made the deliberate choice not to include a running mate that is far left and i think that was i mean that's something of a gamble but they're being quite deliberate about it what do you guys think do you think that was a good move or not I mean, uh, to try to win. I think it was a good move because I just I know people like I actually do know people who have like voted for Trump who are going to vote for Biden. And none of them would have voted for uh, Biden yeah. if his running mate was Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders yeah. or something like that. Totally. I, no, I don't know. People say the young people won't vote. And I almost want to be like, 
Well, then we deserve Trump. Young people don't vote. Yeah, if they're really not going to vote because of we're not, he's not liberal enough, Biden, then we, we almost deserve Trump. That's what we've, I, I don't know. I agree. I know people like yeah. that, by the yeah. way, who claim they're now not voting for Biden because, uh, because, because Bernie lost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like really. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Bernie bro types are still out there. But yeah. ultimately, the, the whole reason why Bernie lost in the first place is because those exact people didn't vote yeah, not, for Bernie. He didn't win the uh, South Carolina. So, you don't, so your right. voice doesn't matter if you're not showing up to vote. I mean, right. frankly. Well, and Trump had that line last night where he was like, well, you know, you almost lost to Bernie Sanders. And he was like, but I did. Yeah. It wasn't He's even like, close. He's like, and Pocahontas <laughs> like, would have right. dropped out two days early trying to jam in a tweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, Any Pocahontas it, reference still gets me He would have loved her to be the VP. He would have been so much more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, no, but great. I think that you're right. I think the gamble is like, so we're not going to appease the far left or the Bernie people or anyone left of that. We're not necessarily going to appease the people in the middle if we go too far left. But basically, the gamble is who's more likely to turn out who do we want to convert and i think you're exactly right it's the it's the republicans slash centrist people who are focused on the economy because you will never get them to vote for a bernie sanders or anyone left of biden and they basically made the guess that that group is bigger and more influential than the far left who will still manage to not vote for biden because it's a vote for the man and i should i I want to throw in here because this is the world's smartest podcast network And I know what audience we're talking. I don't know if I would say this normally, but I know what audience we're talking to. These are our people. I was speaking to our financial advisor yesterday. Ooh, okay, here we go. And the he said, "Smartest and richest podcast." It doesn't. Oh, we we have the deepest deepest pockets in podcasting. Our listeners. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm on the floor right now. Yeah. Have I made that clear? <laughs> Our listenership, not us. I'm saying our, ah, our yeah. you were taking ah, the Patreon yeah. money. And- anyway, he was saying that uh, currently the market doesn't care one way or the other if Trump wins or Biden wins. Hmm. He doesn't see that effect. Where obviously that would not have been the case if it would have been Bernie and, or I don't know. You guys get four hundred one ks at the comedy cellar or the clubs? Is that how? <laughs> what you- yeah, then we got well, a big no. yeah. I, we, I am, we write am, the letter K on a drink yeah. ticket and then we put it in our mattress. <laughs> I, 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 I have yeah, I have lottery tickets. Does that yeah. count, Mike? Yeah, there you yeah. Go. Uh, yeah. If, if if the if the multiverse theory is correct, I should be great. Um, yeah. No, I, I I think there's something to that. I mean, there, there's a there's a political scientist, uh, Rachel. Rachel Kofer, I think I can't remember her surname. Um, that that uh, that has basically po- uh, posited something uh, similar to what what Andrea was saying. That the old game in the '90s was uh, you know go go to the right or go to the left during the primaries, and then run to the center to get the majority vote. And her theory is that that is now ended. That 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 mm. no longer exists. And the name of the game is just motivate your base to come out. That might be the case. I'll say anecdotally. I think that, um, like, I, I, I know the circles I swim in, I know a lot of never Trumpers. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of Republicans that wouldn't identify as such. But when you get a drink in them, they're like, I don't like Biden at all, but at least he believes in the system that I believe in. Like, he at mm-hmm. least, like, he agrees to the rules that I agree to. And I think he's, a, like, I don't like him, but that other guy, like, the, and those folks, I think, would not have voted for a a, a Biden-Bernie ticket or, or a Biden-Warren ticket. And, and they, but they might go over with, uh, with, with Kamala Harris. And then the other thing too, to harken back to one of my favorite political scientists, Morris Fiorina. Oh, uh, sure. Morris, like right, uh, should, well, yeah. should, should Morris Fiorina be the, the, uh, network. the, the <laughs> fair yeah. or he could be at least the mascot or something? Yeah, yeah, I like Morris that. Yeah, Fiorina yeah. fan club. <laughs> We we can have yeah. a monthly mascot or something. I like yeah. that. Uh, well, well so, so he 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 falls into um, the, this. Uh, he he compliments well a group called uh, the um, what is it? 
Stronger Together Initiative or something like that. But there, there was a, it wasn't Pew, but it was kind of similar to Pew that came out two years ago mm. um, that did polling. And, and they basically said, there's not, it's not that there's left and right, uh, even if you want to put it on a spectrum, that the, the far right and the far left basically occupy between them 30% of the electorate. 70% of the electorate falls into the category of the exhausted majority, of right. which I am a very strident member. Yeah. Uh, and, and that includes traditional conservatives. It includes uh, uh, center left liberals. It includes actual independents, which are probably about, you know, 10 to maybe 10 percent of the electorate that really aren't like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm basically a Republican or I'm basically a Democrat. And if, if that is correct, if there is, in fact, a 70 percent exhausted majority, then then it wouldn't be about just motivating uh, the, the base. It would also be about ha- figuring out how to actually get that group to come out and vote. Right. Well, and to keep going on the Morris Fear and fan club, one of the coolest things that he came out with is something called party sorting, this which guy. is to say that it used to be the case that we had two parties, but you would see exactly as Heaton was describing, you would see some liberal Republicans, mm, yeah. and some conservative Democrats. Remember even more recently, like the blue dog yeah. Democrats. Yeah. Which like I for, used yeah. to have a pro-life just used to Democratic be, oh, yeah. governor in, in Pennsylvania, Casey. I mean, yeah. yeah. So there just used to be a lot more cross-cutting issues. And so you would see two candidates or, or two people would get together and they'd say, well, at least we agree on 50% of these things. And instead, what he argues is that we've Sorted. And so there's just no conservative Democrats and right. no liberal Republicans. So we have nothing to say to each other. Mm. And that's part of why it's so miserable. Which is really delightful for anybody that's not a hardcore conservative or hardcore progressive, because whenever you talk to the hardcore people, they go, you're not as strident and, as- and angry as I am. You must secretly be a Nazi or secretly yeah. be a commie. And I'm going to put you on social probation for four years, Yeah, yeah. which is why, again, I hope we move out of this current rut. Mm. Well, one of the other things I learned last week on my show with someone named Neil Malhotra, who's the one who said that Moe's work was boring, uh, is that we all think that, yeah, that we all think we're more moderate than we really are. Like most Mm. of us, some people will identify on the far whatever extreme, but most of us are like, yeah, I'm pretty center of mass and everyone else is more extreme relative Mm. to me. It's a very geocentric view of ourselves. I I guess that makes sense because we we all probably like if you were to ask everybody, like, would you say you're generally rational? Like everybody's going to be like, well, of course, I'm rational. All these other dingbats are like voting out of emotion. But I am purely, you know, logical. And even as he said that, I was like, right, everyone except for me thinks that. (laughs) Well, it's normal. You think you you are the center. You're the center of the universe. We're all narcissists. So like I'm the center. Anybody to the left of me, right to me. That's how that's how I judge it. So. Maybe this should have been the center of the yeah. universe podcast. <laughs> I had on, uh, Andrea, have you had Mike Kaplan on your uh, as as your resident comedian on your show yet? I have not oh, this no. Mike Kaplan. Uh, but, oh, I'm sorry, M Y Q M Y Q Kaplan is another. He's an enemy of the yeah, pod. Real enemy. Oh, enemy. Oh, is he an enemy of the pod? Now an enemy yeah. of the network. Yeah, you- you can't. Uh, well, if I'm, there's another Turner Sparks out there, they will be an enemy of the pod as well. well I, I, I was going to say he, he, no he was just just off camera one time. He was telling me a joke. He he's Jewish and he was saying that like yeah. that that he he finds that when he when he when he when he when he meets uh, somebody else that's Jewish and, and they're like they're very Jewish. He's like, whoa, you're crazy. But when he meets somebody less Jewish than him, he's like, what are you even doing? Like, yeah, when he stole your bits. Yeah, that's that's we've, I've been doing that forever. Listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast. <laughs> well, it was for it was off camera. Off. He might have been. He might have no, attributed he to you. Rip I don't me off remember. In his act. He rips me off off camera. That's typical. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and I just rips quick story. He, re- he references your kids a lot, Mike. Yeah. It's very strange. <laughs> <laughs> it was very good. One time on my uh, on our uh, my Zoom comedy show I do on Friday nights, we had that guy on the podcast. We shall not say his name. You know, yeah. it's like how you can't say the king's name yeah. in right. Thailand. We yeah, can't yeah. say his name. So anyway, he was on our show 
and Kaplan's uh, sister and mom were watching the show. Oh, Mike. And it was very confusing when we said, up oh, next we have Mike Kaplan. And they were like, oh, wow, here we go. And then yeah. it was this other guy. They were very disappointed. Yeah. And then they, my mom adopted him. She starts sending him checks instead because he returns. Her phone. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? I had I had that with a Mrs. Heaton in Ohio once because there aren't that like there's like eight, eight maybe eight or nine Andrew Heaton Heaton's in, 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 in Britain. Uh, well, well, like, like, because like Andrew Heaton's not that uncommon of a name. So when I was in the UK, I thought about tracking down and fighting every Andrew mm-hmm. Heaton, just like show it up and ring at the door and be like, "All right, one of us has got to lose here." But right. but in America, there's like maybe five of us. One of them's in Ohio, and his mom used to email me by mistake, and I would be mm-hmm. like, "Hey, Mrs. Heaton, this is different Andrew Heaton. This is Andrew Heaton yeah. from Oklahoma. You're looking for your son." And she was really nice. She's like, "Well, if you're ever in town, like you know, you can get cookies with me." And I was like, "This is cool. I like that. I've got That's- like basically cousin status by virtue of a name." thing i mean but that's also how old women in ohio get murdered is they tell internet strangers <laughs> who have the same name as their son You're to come over so. people don't know that it's the leading cause of death with women over 20 yeah <laughs> in yeah. ohio yeah COVID actually is only second to that among that uh demographic that's like when Trump is they love me in ohio because he brought back football so <laughs> that's you they love you there uh, oh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, I think we're gonna have to close up here in a second. Um, Andrea, do you have time to to, to do a I conclusion? Or okay, I so then time. I think a couple of the the, the, the things that the Twitter versus alive with today is the um, would would you tell your followers to stand down from violence? Question, uh, and and ba- basically like we would. kind of the huh? Boston American <laughs> yeah, you, you guys, would not tell. We would not tell them. Uh, but, yeah. But, but yeah, but, but there, there was the, you know, are, are you look, are, are, will you commit to a peaceful uh, transition of power is a really big one. And then the other one was sort of kind of the, the, the sort of the rehashing of the, you know, fine people on both sides statement of, of you know, uh, proud boys and that kind of thing. So do you, do you all think that that is going to have any impact beyond the pundits discussing it? No, I think absolutely not. I think that if you didn't know that that's who Trump was before last night, then like, what have you been doing for the last right. four? If, if last night was your first discovery that Trump won't <laughs> denounce white supremacists, like what, what earth, what planet are you living on? Yeah. And I like that right. everyone, oh, sorry. everyone went into last night, either knowing that and hating him for it or knowing it and rationalizing it because they like the fact that he keeps the stock market going or whatever it might be. Right. Right. So I don't think that ha- that made a big, di- I mean, if that was shocking to you, then you're the, the you're insane. I don't think that was shocking. What, what, to what, I, what I found what I found odd about that to go back to your original point, Turner, of of comedy and and approaching things as a comedian, uh, I have found that if I am if I'm doing a, a show where I'm doing a podcast and and I it's funny, 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 and then about an hour in, I'm like, but seriously, I'm going to get vulnerable. I'm going to open up with you for a minute. I'm taking the comedy mask off. This is just me. It has incredible impact. Like, like if, if I'm and I'm, you know, you have to do it for real. You can't do it as a bit, but if, but if you're doing it for real, people are like, oh, wow, whoa, whoa, he's, oh, okay. Like we're stopping the car. Right. And I've, I've seen Trump do that twice over the last mm. five years. He did it once when Ted Cruz won Iowa, where he walked on the stage back during the primaries. And he went, I want to, I want to congratulate Ted Cruz. He worked really hard. Uh, I want to give a, a lot of credit to his campaign. I know that they've been working really? hard. They should be really proud of what they can. Yeah. And it was and this, again, this is back before the primaries were over in 2016. Yeah. And I, at the time I was like oh that must be the real trump the other thing must be an act right but then it consistently goes back to the right. the performance thing and then here recently when ruth bader ginsburg died he Same. had i was just gonna say exactly he, he had a very human reaction to her dying mm-hmm. where assuming that that was in fact the first time he knew about it was on the tarmac leaving a plane he looked genuinely shocked and sad and went oh i'm very sad to hear that she was yep. a great person and uh whether you agreed with her or not she was a, a, a titan in american politics and it's, it's very sad and i was like 
Like, like, and I was like, I would like if, if he did that more frequently, I could I could begin to go. Maybe the other stuff is bullshit. No, but yeah, that- maybe, maybe it's all just a, a weird Kaufman-esque act. But but it, but and I think that the, the debate would have been a good opportunity to do that, particularly three quarters in. If he if he'd taken a deep breath and been like, I want very clearly to, to, to make this known that uh, I, I am going to uphold the Constitution and I believe in our country. And, you know, I, I think it would have had great emotional impact. But instead, he kind of demurred and stepped aside it where the, the line was, uh, yeah, you know, because uh, uh, Wallace says, you know, will you denounce white supremacy? And he goes, sure. Like, which group? Sure. And, and he's like, Proud Boys. And he's like, I'd tell them to stand aside and stand by or something like that. And I was like, OK, like, like, like yeah. kind of it gets sort of had the like, yes, technically sort of. But you could have just been like, yes, it's like like violence and racism are really, really bad. Uh, and we're all very much in favor of that. But he he didn't quite want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it, the bar is so low that what you're saying is just being basically human for a second is very impactful. <laughs> yeah, right. And that you're right that that's absolutely where he is. And I think I mean, I think you're right, too, that that saying, oh, like what Turner was saying, like, oh, I, I support white supremacists, blah, 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 is not news. I saw a lot of people on Twitter and Instagram and everywhere else say, oh, my God, why aren't we freaking out that he said this? And it really isn't news and it shouldn't be news. Uh, and it shouldn't change anyone's view about Trump, because if you're shocked, then I don't know where you've been. But one concern I do have is that he you know, the Proud Boys apparently were very excited that he said this. And I actually worry that we will see a shooting like in the short term. Separate from the election, mm. like you're you're encouraging people to take up arms, and that's concerning. Yeah. To me. Well, mm. well, the thing is, you're. I mean, Trump is not like you know how there's some comedic actors who can then turn in a dramatic performance, and you're like, oh wow, Adam Sandler's really good in that in uh, Uncut Gems. Yeah. Trump is he's a uh, he's he's a comic <laughs> to his core. He cannot. You, Chris, Chris Wallace tries to give him the All opening. All comedy is offended. Well, Chris Wallace tries to give him this opening to just like say, I'm gonna I'm gonna accept the election, and it's like I knew where this is a terrible idea. He's not gonna encourage yeah. his yeah. people he's never going to take that as you said to be human he never and he could he could benefit from there's been so many examples too many to count over the last four years of when he could have yep. if he just was like he the bar so low that if he just acted like a human being for two seconds it would benefit him but he just can't it's not who he is he's he's, would, he's would, authentic you know that way <laughs> what would be amazing yeah. is if he loses this election or at the end of the next four years uh, when, when he is leaving office he ascends the 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 podium and goes fooled you yeah <laughs> like it's like the greatest bit of performance art oh in God. all of human history i did it i don't believe any of this i was a reform wow. candidate i don't care gotcha and then like, and i'd be like i i some part of me has to acknowledge that was a pretty intense joke like that was good man bit. that was a really good like, prank complex sentences and everything else no at the end of the debate last night i was like you know what it's like my boyfriend we watched it together and i was like it doesn't seem like he has a vision for this country and then it was like yeah that's the whole point. And what yeah, you didn't know I, that I don't know what now. I thought. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how could I even think to say that? But Heaton, if you are right and he just takes off the mask, uh, then this is a long game and there is a deep vision for the country and he's playing it in the smartest way possible. We should get him on the network. I would I, don't, I would yeah, love to like get that. Him was, on the network. Get him on the network. Yeah. I, I, I think be... I've, I've mentioned before what I would tell him if I was able to meet him in person. I, I About uh, two years ago, a friend of mine that works at the White House uh, got me in, uh, a West Wing tour, which is difficult. You can get an East Wing mm. tour pretty easy through mm-hmm. your congressman. West Wing tour is more difficult. And East I ended, for jokers. I, I literally ended up skipping it because I was going to go play Risk with my friends over at Reason, mm. and it's hard to coordinate all of our schedules. And I was like, I've been Andrew Heaton sentence I've ever heard. How do libertarians play a game about world domination? They don't believe in any. 
it's it's they it's, don't it's, all, it's all mercenaries. They're all isolationists. Yeah. Yeah. Right around the board. It, it, all, all you're doing is paying mercenaries to destroy oh, tariffs. Oh, okay. It's nothing. It's just it's just armed armed free trade with no armies the whole time. But but at the time though, I was like if if like if like because when I was a kid, I went to the West Wing because we got a tour and like we ran into Bill Clinton. Like we were we were we we saw him there and uh, um so it's it's conceivable that that uh that, that could happen. And I was like, if I met Trump, what would I say? And I was like, I think what I would say is like. Uh, wow, you know what an honor to meet the 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 sitting president while in the White House. This is amazing. Uh, your socks are fine; they're fine. And then if he was like, "What are you talking about?" I'd be like, "Oh, people think you have boring socks. I think you should wear boring <laughs> socks because you're the president." And then like, and then I what I all I want to know is because either a He'd be like, my socks are awesome. And then he, the next time you'd see him, he'd have like lederhosen on yeah. or something. And like you could like or alternately, he would like lean forward and be like, I know what you're doing. And then you'd be like, oh, shit, he he actually is on top of this. Like this right. is I don't know. I don't know. I've, I have no way to do a litmus test personally until I meet him and tell him about his socks. In political science, we call that a separating equilibrium. The socks thing? Yeah. <laughs> is it always socks? It doesn't have to be socks. It could be anything. Oh. Anytime you saying one thing helps you decide what type of person you're dealing with. Oh, okay. What Separating the equilibrium. What, yeah. what type of person yeah. is Trump? There was a moment last night that sticks in my head of when Trump was saying the masks are good and he took out his mask to show it. And then Biden started saying something about masks. And then Trump just flipped on a dime and started going off how, oh, a lot of people say masks aren't good. Fauci said they're not good. Like, so what's the point of the contrarian? Like, what, what, is there a political scientist term for that? Of like, didn't be that far of a contrarian at times? Yeah. I think just, it's Or just, just a jackass. You mean just where you disagree out. with your own your own statement you, you made thirty seconds earlier? You made thirty seconds earlier because the other person yeah. agreed with it who's your enemy in your mind. It, Desperate, I think, <laughs> is the word we use. Yeah, yeah. So we, should we wrap it up, guys? Yeah, yeah. yeah can let's I, do can it. I, and we can we can cut this out if it doesn't work. But I just I just want to try something on before we leave because all of us have been pretty uh, dismissive and um, uh, not pro Trump in this. I think. Mm. Um, if if one of us were as a very intelligent, rational actor in favor of Trump, how do we how do you think we would have we would have perceived what we were watching? Mm. I, I think if I were to do that, if I were in that camp, I think I would have said, uh, I don't care about the bluster. In fact, I find it kind of funny and everybody's freaking out. Uh, but I, I care about the economy where I care mm. about the stock market and, and all of the rest of that's for show. And he's very good at, at, at angering the people that I don't care about. I think that's how I would approach it. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Mm. I uh well I saw I, I came across people on Twitter and Facebook and everything who were pro Trump and so I can tell you how they approached it. Sure. Yeah. They thought giant success for Trump and the big win was that he got Biden to stoop to his level. Basically, mm-hmm. when Biden called him the worst president in history or Biden was like, you're a fool. They were like, yeah, they were cheering for those They're like, ha ha, we got you. Ha, you thought you're a statesman, but you're saying exactly. things that Trump would say. Mm. Exactly. Okay. I saw pro Trump people I know saying, like, "Oh, I can't watch this. They're both so they're both being so crazy to each other," which is then mm. that's the whole thing. And then the only other thing I would say is that uh, is that the stock market thing. And then I know people who are like, "Trump's great on Israel," and the, this is the Jews talking. Some Jews and mm. uh, Obama, mm. was, the other Mike, yeah, Kevin. the other Mike, <laughs> yeah. and the Biden is part. They hate Obama because of Israel stuff. So that's like they just will hang on that that one issue. And they'll ignore hmm, everything right. else and be like, oh, what do you do? 47 years, all that stuff. And the whole 47 right, years right. thing is going to stick with Trump people. You'll right. And and they could have also said, like, well, Biden didn't engage with any of the, the issues around uh, his son, around Hunter Biden. He just sort of totally ignored that and tried to distract by talking about his other son. Yeah. Uh, and you could say that, you know, what Trump said, we can take all these out of context and really ruin uh, some of my friendships. But uh, 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 the thing that Trump was saying that, like, hey, yeah, the liberal media is always going to make me look bad no matter what. I mean, he's not wrong that he typically looks bad in most media. <laughs> 
And so you could say, yeah, this is just another example. And I think you're right that that anytime Biden got riled up whatsoever, you could have pointed to that and said it's both of their fault, if that's something that bothered you. And and I'll say as a closing thought, I think the real winner of the debate was Kanye West. Oh, right. The real, the real winner of the debate was anybody not like Joe Jorgensen. Great Libertarian. job. Way to, yeah. way, to, way to not appear in the debate. Kanye West. Are they going to hold on put up, another debate with Jorgensen uh, and uh, and Kanye and Jill Stein? That would be a. I, I hope that happens. <laughs> Is Jill Stein like if, running? If, if, if uh, no, she's not uh, the it's it's I believe Hawken Hawking or Hawking oh, Howie Hawkins or, Hawk. or something. Howie Hawkins is, is the Green Party candidate this year. No, if, if if Kanye jumped in on that, that'd be great because the people would actually watch it. Uh, that would yeah, be phenomenal. They might. Uh, but I don't I don't think he's doing any debates. I could be wrong. Yeah, but you're right. He won. Yeah. Yeah. Kanye yeah. 2020. Uh, well, what? and gang, I feel like we have we have at least redeemed America through our chat today. Yes. Uh, I have greatly enjoyed talking to you all. And uh, let's uh, can, can we go around real quick and, and do uh, our shows once again to in- induce our respective listeners to broaden their worlds and be happy all the time? Yes, I will uh, start first with us. I just want to say Lost in America listeners, if you're listening through our feed, go on and check out everybody else's show. We will have links to their shows in our, uh, in the description of our podcast. Andrea's is currently a YouTube show, right? But it'll yep. be a podcast very soon. Yep. Heaton's a podcast. Check them out. Lost in, if you're not one of our listeners, come join us, join the party over at lost in America. Yep. You get every single week. We talk to a different comedian in a city around the world with a global, some global event happening in that city. So if you're a fan of The Economist, if you're reading The Economist and you want to explain to you by a comedian, come check us out. It's me. It's Kaplan. We put it out on Mondays. The real Mike, Mike Kaplan. Mike Kaplan Michael, spelled properly, not with a Q. Michael Ira <laughs> Kaplan. Sorry, Michael Ira Serious version. Yeah, the only night in podcasting. And that's uh, every Monday on iTunes. Go to lostinamericapod.com or just look us up on, and, your, and, on your podcast. And on YouTube, feed. everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. Oh, and it's a YouTube show, too. You can watch us as well. Go to YouTube. Check out Lost in America Podcasts. That's it for us. And, and I'll say uh, similar to that to my listeners. Uh, I, I love all of you. You're all very funny and fun to talk to and interesting people. And I, I think that if you like my program, you will probably like Andrea's program and Mike and Turner's program as well. And on top of that, uh, we are, I'm going to say, an adjacent without being overlapping material, meaning you could listen to any one of our podcasts any day of the week and you're not going to hear the same thing. You're going to hear something that is funny and intelligent, but a completely different thing. So you're, you're not going to get worn out by it, which which I enjoy. And for uh, for your respective listeners, the political orphanage beckons you. If you are one of these people that is tired of the anger and noise and rancor, my podcast is about basically how to fix things, how policy works and how people think instead of anecdotal strings of evidence of why red team is evil and blue team is evil and all of that stuff. If you're not a part of that, if you're a part of the exhausted majority, come hang out at the political orphanage. And then on Fridays, we just joke about like Florida and stuff. Yeah. So, and I can say uh, to my uh, listeners uh, of Ask a Political Scientist, one of the reasons I wanted to join forces uh, with these guys is that these really are the two other podcasts that are trying to do uh, what I am trying to do and what I think you're coming to my show for, which is to actually be smarter about what's going on and maybe enjoy thinking about things and have it be in a slightly more pleasant way than reading the news outright and having to scream at it. So, uh, uh, and one of the other things to think about is that uh, Heaton's podcast is awesome if you actually want to say, well, what about the policies and what would actually work and what could we actually do about that? Because we never talk about that in the news and lost in America pod is awesome because they get great comedians. Some of whom are my friends around the world, but also it's really nice to not think about the United States every now Mm. and again. And I will say on my show, we have been hyper-focused on the U S I'll try to expand that out as well. But as Heaton said, they really aren't overlapping, but I think would appeal to, to folks with similar interests and similar sensibilities and a similar 
uh, being sick of all the noise that we're shouting about. And for my show, uh, it really, you want to come to my show for the big picture. Uh, we ask questions that political scientists are asking, which is sort of like zooming way out and saying, well, why is it this way in the first place? Are we getting more polarized? What do we mean if we say we're getting more polarized? What is a political party? Why do we even have them? Why do we just have two? What are the ways to, to vote that are actually fair? Big, deeper, kind of almost philosophical questions like that but all backed up with math and evidence. So, uh, and we, we pair them with comedians and journalists and, and uh, practitioners so we connect to the real world as well. And that's Thursdays on YouTube. And indeed, there will be an audio version to come. And Fiorina, the political... Yeah, that's it. He's not been on good, my show yet, but Morris I guess Fiorina, I have to Fiorina. Yes. And that was it, Cap. That was the show. How was it? That was pretty good, right? That was, I can see why uh, the president developed this coronavirus, faked it. Because after he, after he heard that, he knew this episode was coming. He knew everyone was going to be talking about the debate and his performance. And he decided, I got to, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got I to change the narrative. So, so thank but, you to Andrew Heaton. Thank you to Andrea Jones-Roy. We're very excited to be at the world's smartest podcast network. We will soon have a page on iTunes that's where you can click on World Smartest Podcast Network and see all of our shows. We will soon have a website, worldsmartestpodcastnetwork.com. All that is coming very soon. In the meantime, just start listening to them. Please rate and review our show, Lost in America. Give us five stars. Leave yes. us a little note. And uh, come to our Patreon. If you join our Patreon show too, that's in this show on Lost in America. Sorry, on Lost in America. It is Kaplan and I learning about the world on Live from the Bunker. It is the world learning about us. So if you want to hear about us three well days said. a week, go to patreon.com slash lost in America. Cap, that's it. Let's get lost. Get lost. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.